Welcome to Expresso Crime, a podcast all about crimes, short enough to listen to while you enjoy your cup of coffee. Today's episode is meant to go over the background and timeline of Jeffrey Damar and the Green River Killer, but the Milwaukee Monster case is a lot, so we will focus on it today and dive into the Green River Killer next Wednesday. So let's get started on the timeline and background of Jeffrey Damar, also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal or the Milwaukee Monster. He is an American serial killer and sex offender, committing murder and dismemberment of 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Damar was born on May 21, 1960 and was the oldest of two. His mother was a teletype machine instructor and his father a chemistry student. These are mi- there are mixed reports as some say Damar was deprived of attention as an infant and others suggest he was doted on. In later years, Damar would note that he wasn't sure of how solid his family was as he recalled extreme tension and numerous arguments between his parents when he was younger. He initially was very energetic and happy, but before his fourth birthday, he became notably subdued following double hernia surgery. From an early age, he collected large insects insects in jars, and in elementary school, he was quiet and timid, though he did have a small number of friends. Fast forward to 1966, his family moved to Ohio, where his mother was pregnant, and she let Damar name the baby. Additionally, his father graduated college and started to work as an analytical chemist. Two years later, in 1968, they once again moved. There, he would collect animal carcasses and take them apart. When he did this, a friend said he would dismember the animal and store the parts in jars in the family tool shed. He explains that this was him being curious as to how animals fit together. He once took the carcass of a dog apart before nailing the body to a tree and impaling the skull on a stake behind a wooden cross. In 1970, over dinner, Damar asked his father what would happen if chicken bones were placed in bleach. His father was pleased by his curiosity and showed him how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. Damar then incorporated this info into his bone collecting. As a freshman in high school, he was seen as an outcast and by 14 he began drinking during daylight hours. He would be asked why he was doing this and he would say this is my medicine. In early years, as a teen, he had a short relationship with another teenage boy, though he never told his parents about this. Much later, he spoke about how as a teen, he would fantasize about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner. These fantasies would evolve to dissection as well. When he was around 16, he attempted his first attack on someone. He hid in the bushes with a baseball bat while he waited for a male jogger he found attractive to jog by. Luckily, the male never jogged by that day. By 1977, his grades were quickly declining and his parents hired a private tutor for him. Additionally, they enrolled in marriage counseling as well. Later that year, his father found out about his wife's affair and they decided to divorce. His father moved out. The next year in May, Damar graduated from high school and just three weeks later would become a murderer. Damar picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks, who was almost 19 at the time. Damar invited Hicks over to his house on the pretext of drinking a few beers as he had the house alone that night. When he saw the hitchhiker without his shirt on standing on the side of the road, he was sexually attracted to him. When he picked him up, he began talking about girls and Damar knew any sexual passes would be declined. After several hours of talking at his home, Hicks wanted to leave and Damar didn't want him to, so he hit him with a 10-pound dumbbell and then struck him twice from behind as well. 
When Hicks fell to the ground unconscious, Damer strangled him to death with a bar of the dumbbell and then stripped him of his clothes. He would then masturbate over the corpse. The next day, Damar dissected Hicks's body in his basement. He would then bury the remains in a shallow grave in the backyard, and several weeks later, he would unearth the remains and pair them the flesh from the bones. He dissolved the flesh in acid before flushing the solution down the toilet. He crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in a treat area behind the home. Six weeks later, he enrolled at Ohio State University. His time there was academically unsuccessful due to alcohol abuse. He dropped out after just three months. In January of 1979, he enlisted in the Army, where he trained as a medical specialist in Texas. The next year, he was deployed to Germany. Two years later, March 1981, due to alcohol abuse, he was deemed unsuitable for military service and was honorably discharged. He was granted a plane ticket anywhere, and he chose to go to Miami to avoid both his father and the cold. He worked in the deli and rented a motel room. He soon would be evicted due to spending all his money on alcohol. That September, he would phone his father and ask to return him to Ohio. Upon returning to Ohio, he lived with his father and his father's new wife. He continued to drink heavily, and two weeks upon being home, he was arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct. A few months later, in December, he was sent to live with his grandmother in Wisconsin, as the family hoped her influence and the change of scenery would help him. At first, his living arrangements with his grandmother worked great. He would go to church with her, looked, looked for work, lived by most of her house rules except for smoking and drinking. In 1982, he started working at a blood plasma center, and after 10 months, he was laid off. He remained unemployed for two years and lived off whatever his grandmother gave him. Shortly before losing his job, he was arrested for indecent exposure. In January of 1985, he was hired as a chocolate mixer. He worked night shifts six days a week. And once at a library on his off day, a man threw a note of da- at Damar, which the man offered to perform fellatio on him. Damar wouldn't respond to this note, but the incident often popped into his mind and fantasies of control and dominance would occur. He would then start to go to gay bars, gay bathhouses, and bookstores, and even stole a male mannequin from a store which he used for sexual stimulation until his grandmother found it and demanded he get rid of it. Later that year, he found himself getting frustrated by his partner's moving during sex as he viewed people as objects of pleasure rather than people. By June of 1986, he started giving his partner sleeping pills or sedatives in their drinks as he wanted his partner to fall asleep before performing various sexual acts. He was able to get these pills as he told doctors he worked nights and required them to sleep properly. Though after 12 instances of drugging drugging the partners, his bathhouse membership was revoked and then he started to use hotel rooms instead. He ended up reading about an upcoming funeral and ended up wanting to actually steal the body. He tried to dig up the coffin, but the soil was too hard, so he quit. In August 1986, he was arrested for masturbating in the presence of two 12-year-old boys. Initially, he admitted the offense and was again charged with indecent exposure. He later changed the story and claimed he was unaware anyone was nearby and he was just trying to go to the bathroom. The charge was changed to disorderly conduct and he was sentenced to one-year probation and he needed to go to counseling. On November 20th, 1987, Damar met 
25-year-old Stephen Toomey at a bar and persuaded him to come to the hotel room he had rented for the night. He said he had no intention of murdering Toomey as he just wanted to drug him and explore his body. Though upon waking up in the morning, Toomey's chest was crushed in and covered in black and blue bruises. His mouth was filled with blood and Damer also had bruising. He had no memory of killing Toomey. To dispose of Tommy's body, Damer bought a large suitcase and used it to take his, the body to his grandmother's house. A week later, he cut off the head, arms, and legs and cut the flesh into small pieces and put the flesh pieces into garbage bags. He wrapped the bones inside a sheet and pounded them into tiny pieces with a sledgehammer. Within two hours, he disposed of the entire body, except the head. Two weeks later, he boiled the head in a mixture to retain the skull which he would then use to masturbate to. The skull would end up too brittle and was then disposed of. Following this murder, he began to actively seek out victims. He would often find these victims at a bars and then lure them back to his grandmother's house. He would drug his victims before sex with them, and once they were unconscious, he would strangle them to death. Two months after killing Stephen Tuomi at the hotel, he lured a 15-year-old male prostitute into his home with an offer of $50 to pose for nude photos. He drugged the boy and then trailed him in the cellar. He left the body there for a week and when it then went about dismembering and disposing of the body similar to how he did months prior. On March 24, 1988, Damer met a 22-year-old man and lured him to his grandmother's house this time, $50 to spend the rest of the night with him. He drugged him, strangled him, and then performed oral sex with the corpse. Not even 24 hours later, he disposed of the body while keeping the skull. A month later, later he lured another young man to the house. This time, he drugged the victim's coffee. He and the victim both heard his grandmother call out, Is that you, Jeff? which made Damer opt to not kill this victim. Instead, once he became unconscious, Damer took him to the local hospital. In September of 1988, Damer's grandmother asked him to move out due to the late visitors and foul smell. He found a small apartment to move into instead. Just one day after moving in, he was arrested for drugging and sexually fondling a 13-year-old boy who he had lured back to his home to pay in exchange for posing for nude photos. In January of 1989, Damar was convicted of second-degree sexual assault and of enticing a child for immoral purposes. The sentencing for this assault was suspended until May 1989 and Damar would move back into his grandmother's home. On March 1989, he would murder again. This victim was 24-year-old aspiring actor, who according to Damar, he wasn't looking to commit a crime, though the 24-year-old started talking to him first and then lured him back to his grandmother's home, where he had sex and then drugged the 24-year-old, where he lastly strangled him. The next morning, Damar placed the corpse in his grandmother's bathtub. He found his victim to be exceptionally attractive and the, fir- and the first body parts he would permanently retain. He kept the victim's head and genitals. He would keep these in a wooden box in his work locker. On May 1989, he was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Correction, though he would be able to keep his job during this time along with being required to register as a sex offender. Two months before his scheduled release, he was paroled and released to his grandmother's house. In May of 1990, he moved out of his grandmother's house again 
which he packed the head and genitals of the March 1989 killing with, and moved into another new apartment. Within one week of moving, he killed his sixth victim, a 32-year-old male prostitute who he allured back to his apartment on the deal of $50 for sex. Inside the apartment, he gave the victim a drink laced with seven sleeping pills and then strangled him. The next day, he bought a camera which he used to take photos of the posed corpse before dismembering him in the bathroom. He spray-painted the victim's skull and placed it beside the other skull in the filing cabinet. One week later, he lured another young man into his apartment, though this time he accidentally drank the lace drink which he attended for the young man. When Damer woke up, he found the intended victim stole several pieces of clothing, a watch, and $300. He, of course, did not go to the police, but he did let his probation officer know he had been wrong. In June 1990, he lured a 27-year-old male acquaintance to his apartment. He drugged and strangled the acquaintance, and this time he would place the skull in the freezer and then the oven to dry, which ended up causing the skull to explode. He would later tell the police he felt rotten about this murder as he couldn't retain any parts of the body, which was his way of remembering them. Less than three months later, he met a 22-year-old named Ernest Miller who agreed to go to his apartment for $40 to allow Damar to listen to his heart and stomach. Damar tried to perform oral sex on Miller and when things didn't go right and he only had two sleeping pills to lace the drink with, he had to resort to stabbing Miller instead. Damer wrapped Miller's heart, biceps, and piece of flesh in bags for later consumption. Three weeks later, he would drug, strangle, and dismember another victim. For five months, he did not murder, though he tried to lure young men into his apartment during this time. In 1991, he would kill six more times, mostly following the same routine and sexual acts with the, the corpse. The one victim was actually a brother to a previous victim as well. Additionally, his neighbor began to complain about the chainsaw noise and the foul smell coming from his apartment. This would go on without incident. While at his apartment with the victim, he decided to leave to go to the bar. When he arrived back home, the young man was sat naked outside his apartment with three girls surrounding him. Damer tried to take the victim back with him to his apartment, but the girls explained they had already called 911. Upon the police arriving, Damer explained to the officers that the young man was his boyfriend and even showed nude photos of him. The officers left and the victim was shortly killed after. On July 22, 1991, Edwards, a 32-year-old, agreed to go to Damer's house for the evening. Upon going to the apartment, he noticed the foul smell and while turning his head, Damer placed a handcuff on his wrist. Soon, a knife would appear, and Damar informed Edwards that he planned to eat his heart. Edwards would try to prevent any attack by repeating that he was Damar's friend, and in his head, he tried to plan his escape. Damar's attention turned to the TV, and Edwards got up, punched him in the face, and ran out the front door. Just before midnight, Edwards flagged down two police officers, still with a handcuff on his hand, and explaining how he was trying to escape for the last five hours. The police went back to Damer's apartment where they found the photos, knives, skulls, and body parts. A more in-depth search revealed four severed heads in the kitchen, seven skulls, two human hearts, arm muscles, an entire torso, two entire skeletons, a pair of hands, two penises, three other torsos in a solution, a bag of organs, and flesh. 
Damar was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder along with psychotic disorder, though he was found to be legally sane to stand trial. He was convicted of 15 of 16 murders he had committed in Wisconsin and was sentenced to 15 terms of life imprisonment on February 17, 1992. He was later sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment for an additional homicide committed in Ohio back in 1978. On November 28, 1994, he was beat to death by a fellow inmate. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on Sunday.